It's that time. Welcome to the Time to Man Up podcast. And here's your host, Sean Hess. Well, we want to welcome you to the Time to Man Up podcast as we continue from our last episode in looking at the loss of a child. And if you heard the last episode, you would know that we're not pulling any punches, that we are definitely throwing some boulders into the deep end because we want for you to be able to learn to be prepared as much as you can. It's almost impossible to truly be prepared. But if you have been here, we want to make sure you understand that there are people that want to help you and uh, don't hesitate to reach out. But in, in this episode, we want to begin to look at grief and the challenges of grief because the reality is, is that this can put great stress into your marriage. And so once again, I've got Uncle John back with me. And so we're, we're glad to... Uh, we looked at the time from last episode and we're like, this is going to become a two-parter, but you know what? This is well worth a two-parter. And so I'm glad that he has been willing to uh, stick around with me. I want to begin today by talking about common reactions to grief, uh, common reactions when it comes to how we respond to these situations. Um, when we look at experiencing grief, the first thing that we see is that some people, it's intense shock, confusion, disbelief, uh, and denial. Even when your ch child's death was expected sometimes when it's cancer or something like that, because I've asked some parents that have lost a child, you know, I've talked to them. I said, you know, about your experience. I said, you know, there's some that say, I wish I had more time uh, because you either usually have a death that's immediate and, and it's unexpected, or you have that death that sometimes drags on for something like cancer. And there you have to watch your child uh, just move toward the finish line. And, and uh, what we know is this, neither of those are easy at all. Death, loss of a child is loss of a child. Uh, but the grief process is somewhat different because one is like this instant, it's dropped, you've got to deal with it now. And another one is stretched out where you're building and you're building and you're building toward the last thing you want is to see your child suffering. And I'm sure even in those 10 days, you went through that uh, with Kelly, not wanting to see her have to suffer or anything. Um, so I'm sure that was probably part of your processing with that. Well, Sean, I, I get looking back at it. Kelly was in a coma for ten days, and and that was a blessing because she should have died in the car accident. She was hit sixty miles an hour right. by a semi. Right. There's no way she should have lived through that. So she was in a coma, and from what I've been told, they can hear you. They can hear what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So for ten days, we had the chance to just tell her that we loved her. And things are going to be all right. And uh, we had our chance to say goodbye. She did not. Yeah. She did not. Right. Yeah. But that was a blessing. And I thank the Lord that he gave us those 10 days because he yeah. didn't have to. Right, right. She could have died on the spot like many people do. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a hard process. Uh, grief is something, grief of a child, that is just... Horrible, horrible grief, Sean. Yeah. And there are some that that denial, that disbelief just continues on. Oh, well, and, and, and yes. And we did. We were there. We're going to wake up and it's going to be different tomorrow. Patty and I discussed that, that when she first died, we both were in denial. And I, I'd said that, you know, this is like a bad dream and we're going to wake mm -hmm. up from this dream mm -hmm. and everything's going to be all right. Our lives are going to be normal again. Or... You expected her to walk through that door. Right. You know, one day she's going to walk back through that door. Right. But it, it, for me, it took about, I think, about six months. And then you realize, no, this is the mm -hmm. new reality of our life. She's not coming back. And that's when I think, at least for me, uh, depression starts to set in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you experience just about every emotion possible in the loss of a child. 
Yeah. Now, men handle it differently than women. I, I don't know if you want to go through that now or... We're going to get to that later here. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, but... we're going to get to that later. Because one of the things that we see with grief, guys, is an overwhelming sadness and despair, um, such that facing daily tasks or even getting out of bed can seem impossible. And uh, we And listen, guys, even if you are a believer, a follower of Christ, you are not somehow have these magical powers that that's not part of it because there are days that you just don't feel like getting out of bed that you would like to just quit life. And, and that is one of the challenges. Another challenge is in, in your grief is extreme guilt or feeling that you failed as the child's protector. And, and I know as a dad, when I got the call about my daughter's accident, that was one of the things that went through my mind is, I have always been able to protect my children. And, I, you know, the old rub some dirt on it, right? The kid falls down, you pick him up, and you're like, rub some dirt on it. And then all of a sudden, for whatever reason, when it was a car accident, it was totally different. And for us, we our daughter was okay. Um, I know it got her attention, but we got to see her. And we understand because we had been through with... Uh, and Patty and Uncle John, their situation, that's not always the same. But you can have that of, I am your protector. Because I think as men, we take that on and we say, we are your protector. And we are going to jump in front of that car to protect you. And then all of a sudden they get big, on it, and they go off on their own and they do their own things. And we can't do that like we used to. No. That is part of a man's psyche. Yeah. You protect your family no matter what. And that was uh, something, like I said previously, uh, I beat myself up for years on maybe I made the wrong decisions. What should I have done? What could I have done to prevent this? I should have done something, Sean. And uh, you know that's where you realize, or I realized after a long time, the sovereignty of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Fortunately for Megan... It wasn't her time. Right. If it was her time, she'd have died in that accident. Right. Just like Kelly did. Yeah, but it wasn't her time. No, and I've shared with people, one of my best friends in college going home junior year was in a car wreck and died. Man, it changed my life. I mean, it turned me around, and uh, that grief was, like, deep, and I wasn't even a parent. I was a friend. Yeah. And and it was just, it was amazing because there were times when I just felt like laying around. You know, this is... uh, something that uh, after losing a child prior to that, you'd get up in the morning and we'd watch the, the local news. And every morning, not every morning, but at least once a week, mm. you see there's a child that died in a car accident. Yeah. And I would think, oh boy, that's a shame. Okay, what do I have to do today? Right. But after losing a child, you understand. And I would stop and I would say a prayer. Mm-hmm. Lord, I know what those parents are going to go through. Right. They don't understand it yet, but I know what they're going to go through. Be with them somehow. Bring yeah. somebody into their life that'll be able to help them. But prior to losing a child, Sean, right? No, right. yeah, no. And so, guys, some of you will deal with this intense anger and a feeling of bitterness uh, and unfairness at life that was unfulfilled. That that I mean, with Kelly. We knew that she had crazy ability, crazy potential, and you can get caught in that trap of saying what could have been. And, and, and we in our minds can think of, but God, what could have been? And, and men, anger is a feeling that men we go through. And I'm not saying women are void of that because they're not. But anger is that feeling and bitterness is that feeling that can come in and it can be intense. And uh, even I think you can become like an oversheltering parent of your other kids sometimes, especially if you have younger kids. Uh, you can begin to overshelter them and because you don't want that to happen again. Um, so and you can also become resentful of parents with healthy children. Uh, I mean, sometimes you can say, God, why me? Why our child and not their child? Now, it's not like we're trying to put that on someone else, that grief or that burden. But you just think, God, 
of all the people in the world. Why? And that's why I said if I wrote a book, it would be, God, do you really know what you're doing? Because the Bible says God's ways are not our ways. Um, I want to understand that, but in my uh, finiteness, it's hard for me to understand an infinite God who knows all things, who is all-powerful, but he does say that he's not doing things to hurt us, to harm us, but it sure feels that way sometimes. And so when we look at that grief, um, you can just feel that life has no meaning and you just wish to be released from the pain and just join your child. I mean, you've talked about yeah. just that. Well, <clears throat> when you mentioned anger, Sean, uh, I experienced a lot of anger. It wasn't toward the doctors, the nurses, the truck driver that hit Kelly. No, it was anger at God. Yeah. I was angry. Yeah. Angry at God. Now I did show a little anger the night she died. Uh, if I have a minute, I'll explain what happened. Yeah. The day, the 10th day, the day she passed away, they told her she's doing better. We think we're going to get her out of this coma and we're all happy. We're excited. And, uh, I went, uh, finally, after 10 days, I said, Patty, I'm going to go to the gym and work out. I've been sitting for 10 days. It's not good for my diabetes. I've got to get some exercise. Right. So I got to the gym, and no sooner than I had I gotten there, I got a call. Get back to the hospital right away. So I'm driving back. I didn't know what was going on. And uh, I get to Kelly's room in the ICU, and here there were doctors and nurses and everybody, and they were just utter bedlam. They had paddles on her chest mm. trying to get her heart started again and, and i walked in and somebody sees and I, and I looked up at the screen i saw the, the monitors and everything was straight line mm -hmm. and i said my daughter's dead and they looked at and they said get him out of here so he grabbed me and got me out of there and i just went into patty where she was in a different room and i said dear we got to pray we got to pray right now so we were praying and probably about 15 minutes later the doctor came in and he said, I'm sorry, but we couldn't save her. And I said, and this is where anger comes in, Sean. Right, right. I said, you better get out of here because I'm going to do you bodily harm if you stay one more second. Right. Get out of here right now. Right. Yeah, because I saw what was happening. I wasn't supposed to, but I did. Right. But I, I after that, I, I didn't harbor any anger towards the doctors, the nurses, or anything else. Yeah. It, it was towards God, Sean. Yeah which was wrong. Yeah. But that's, yeah. that's human. Exactly. Because we know ultimately he's the one that can do something about it. Because like you said, at any time he could raise someone, he could, he could do whatever they wanted to heal. Yeah, absolutely. Someone. But he chooses in his sovereignty to not do that sometimes. And you know, in life guys, you always wish you could just see the big picture. Uh, there are just times <laughs> where I just wish, I mean, with what we've been going through, and I'm like, God, just show me the big picture. Let me see five years down. Let me see what this is going to be like. Why, why is this happening? And it's never with little situations do I feel that way. It's major life situations that I say, what is God's purpose? And I know that even some, when they, when they go through this, I mean, you said it was seven years not praying, yeah. Uh, some question their faith. And I'll say this, that through all the junk I've been through, I've never questioned my faith. I questioned God. I didn't question my faith because I always understood that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except through him. I, I get that. I understand that. I just didn't understand why God had chosen the path he had put me on. It didn't make sense to me. Um, and I don't know if that's a, to whom much is given much is expected. Oh. <laughs> and he knew that you guys could handle that, even though it would push you far that he said, they'll use this for my glory. They'll use this. It's going to take some time, but they'll use it. Well, Sean, I didn't question my faith. Like I had previously mentioned, I questioned why pray, right? What's the sense? If God has his plan, and it's already predetermined, what good is prayer? And that's what I stopped doing. 
I, st- I kept going to church, and uh, you tried to still live a, the best Christian life you could, but I had no joy. My joy was gone at that point. And that was you who had a strong walk with God. You loved God. You were in church. You were involved. Someone that is very new to their faith or not really strong in their faith, yeah. it can push them to the breaking point of pulling away from their faith. And we know that no one can take it from us, but we can walk away from it. We can push it aside and say no. And, and there are the consequences of that. And, and, and so we see that questioning or losing our faith or our spiritual beliefs is one of those. Um, what I would say is this also, be careful for uh, loneliness and isolation. Because a lot of times when people go through this, uh, they, can, they can go through that, uh, that, that isolation, just pulling away from everybody. And men, for you and for your spouse or whoever may be in your life, when you pull away from people, uh, you put yourself right where the enemy wants you because you are very vulnerable uh, to the attacks of the enemy. And so I want to encourage you to make sure that you are cautious not to not to pull away like that. And and that leads us to this, and, and this is where I really am excited to hear from Uncle John in this area. Parents grieve differently. And so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him to share a little bit about how he and my Aunt Patty grieve differently. Um, and then, like I said, we throw boulders in the water. Um, what challenges to your marriage did that bring? Because, uh, we know that the divorce rate for a couple that has lost a child and the more tragic, the loss, the more the rate goes up. Um, we're not talking about miscarriage. We're talking about a a born child when that child dies, because there's enough blame to go around in the whole equation. A lot of times from a human perspective. So, Uncle John, share a little bit about what it was like, uh, how Aunt Patty grieved, and how you worked through that as a man. Because the challenge is you're trying to grieve. You have a wife that's grieving, and you have two kids that are grieving. And we're going to talk about our children's grief here in a little bit. So let's focus on just you and Aunt Patty and what that was like. I think a woman, I, I don't think, I know a woman will grieve different and probably deeper much deeper but like you said the woman carries that child that yeah. baby was in her she gave birth to that it's child bond, yeah and she raised our children when they were little mm-hmm. i was working i i worked in construction and it's feast or famine if there's, there's work you're working whether it's right. 8 10 12 hours a day you have to work because there are times when there isn't work so she raised the kids and she bonded with them, and she gave her all to those children. And Kelly was at an age where her relationship was going more from mother-daughter to friend, yeah. to friend. You know, our daughter Kim was older, so that that transition had already taken place. They were friends now. Right. You know, Kim was an adult, and uh, Todd was an adult. They make their own decisions. Uh, but Kelly, that was the transition from from uh, mother daughter to mother and friend. Right. Yeah. And Kelly, uh, Kim, Patty had it hard. I went back to work after a couple of days. I had to. I was in charge of that job. Right. She had three weeks off before she'd start teaching school, and in the three weeks, she had to get prepared to teach. And also, we discussed this this morning. She said, "John, I." started going through Kelly's thing. Right. And that was hard. And she said, I wept and I wept yeah. and I wept. I wasn't there, Sean. I was at work. Right. Yeah. So she had to deal with that. And also the hundreds of thank you notes mm-hmm. that she had to send. Right. I didn't do that. You know, she did it. So I think it was much harder on her. Uh, for me, the grieving process, like I had said and admitted, was anger, was bitterness, yeah, depression, and then just, I think, 
almost like a dull feeling in your life. You were going through the motions, Sean. Right, yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, we both had employment that took uh, all day long. We had to be on our toes and be thinking. So we didn't think about Jelly at that time. Mm -hmm. But at night, when we were home alone, we did. And uh, if I could do it again, I wouldn't want to do it again. I would have been much more sensitive to Patty's needs. Yeah. But she was grieving, and I was grieving. And neither one of us knew how to deal with it. And unfortunately, 25 years ago, 26 years ago, you didn't have the Christian counseling you have today. We were left out on our own. Uh, our pastor never once came over to talk to us mm-hmm. and to try to help us. He had to know right. we were suffering. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And nobody, your friends don't know what to say. It, it's a really hard process, but uh, I got to hand it to Patty. What she dealt with uh, that I didn't have to, Sean, because I couldn't have done it. I couldn't have done it. Now, I don't think she, she had the anger and the bitterness. She just had the longing right. for her daughter, a deep, deep longing. I did too, but you know, it's a different bond between a mother and a child right, yeah. and a father and a child. So, so did you find that in that, did it draw you closer together? Um, in your situation, did it push you apart? What, 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 what did you feel through that time? Or, or, or was it like hills and valleys? You know, was it yeah. up and down? Hills and valleys, up and down. But here's where having faith comes in, Sean. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had that mutual thing, that bond, uh, our faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, we both knew, like we talked about previously, we're going to see her again. Right. Yeah. But it's so hard to even explain it. Your joy was gone mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to be happy when your joy is gone. Right. Yeah. And even though we had two other children, uh, you know, if you had 10 kids and you lose one, you're going to grieve for that one, even right. though you still have nine right. more. Yeah. So it's, uh, it, it's really hard to explain. Uh, I don't think it... Uh, hurt our relationship at all. It was just a tough, tough thing for each one of us to deal with because we had no idea what to do. Right. Yeah, just navigating life. Yeah, you're just existing some days, getting through one day at a time. Yeah, and I think what's hard is that in our culture that we live in, men are expected to control their emotions. Men are expected to have it all together. And so, like you said, even like going to church, we we play the role that's expected of us. But one thing I appreciate is I feel back then that mental health wasn't something we talked about. And uh, when I think about the challenges of where we are now with uh, mental health and uh, now it can be, it can be taken too far, but mental health is a big thing when we're going through that, because just like an injury in sports, you injure your arm. You know that arm is hurt. You know that you need to take it easy on that arm. You know, you know you need to give it time to rest and to deal with it correctly. I think even mentally and emotionally, we have those moments when we go through something like this. And we were always taught in our days, get back up on the horse and ride. So you have to jump into that building project and you've got to have your mind 100% in it. Because people could get hurt if, if, if it's not done right and there's standards that you have to be. And so your mind can go off on that. And I always told my wife that it was much easier for me because I went to work and I would deal with those things while sometimes she was home, even as a parent, you know, her staying home. But there are those challenges that, that mental health is real and the struggles are real um, and whatever we want to call it, but part of that grieving process is that mental health of what do we need to do to get ourselves healthy so that we can function. Again, we're never going to move fully past it. It's always going to be there. And there are going to be songs that bring it back to us. There are going to be events that bring us back to us. Um, anytime I, somebody loses a spouse, you know, I'm thinking about them for that whole first year because it's a bunch of first. And you go through all of those first, or it's like this. Oh, Kelly would have liked this. Kelly would have liked to have done this. And there are just things that 
go into your mindset that you think about. And so, guys, that's the challenge that a woman is working through with this. And we need to make sure that that we are we deal with our stuff, but that we don't forget about our wives because I feel like for women, they can cry openly. But for men, we think that that's weakness. And men, can I just tell you this? That's a lie. Crying is not a weakness. I'm telling you, when I got serious about prayer, Uncle John, that's I got a lot more emotional because when I started praying, I started crying to her. Now I watch a movie with like my family and I'll start crying over a movie and I'm like, man, you're a sap. I'm like, you're a sap. But I think with stuff like this, with that loss, I think there is partly a healthy aspect when our wives see us grieve. And they see us feeling that loss to know that they're not alone in this. Because if we're just trying to be the macho man and put on a front, a facade for them, it doesn't help them. And so we need to be able to work through that and to help them deal with that grief. So that is dealing with the loss of a child uh, with parents. But now let's get into the sibling aspect can, of this. Can yeah. I just say yeah. something about uh a man and, and lack of crying. Um, I had already mentioned <clears throat> I was a construction foreman in charge of a three-year project. And the Lord knew the best place for me to be at that time. I had been working at a Roman Catholic convent. And I would have some bad days. I remember the one day it was Kelly's birthday. I was a mess. And, yeah. and a fellow working for me, Carl Brown, a Christian guy, he said, John, what's the matter? I said, it's Kelly's birthday. He said, go home, go home. I said, no, no, I can't, I can't do that. But what I did do was Sister Donna, they had none. I'd go into her office, Sean, and we'd talk, and I would cry. Yeah, I'd cry my heart out. Right. And when I was done with that, and I would thank her, I'd walk out, I'd go back on the construction job and act like a tough guy again. Because yeah. on those jobs, you can't show weakness. Right. You can't show weakness. Yeah. So, no, you don't cry on the job. A man doesn't do that. But we do cry, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, we do cry. Uh, I just wanted to put that in there that uh, it's okay, guys, to cry. That's, 100%. That's part of being human. Yeah. 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 And I told Sean, I've uh, done enough crying in my life. I just want to laugh and enjoy life now. And I wanna, hopefully those crying days are over for a while anyhow. Yeah, and I think that, with generations have come men being more sensitive to that. Because when I look at the transition from my grandfather to my dad, to me, there's been a progression of where my grandfather, I really didn't see cry tough guy, went to work, did his thing, came home, watched the news, had dinner, watched sports but there wasn't a lot of emotion to it. And then with my dad, I saw a little bit more of that. And to me, even more so. And I think that that's one thing where a wall were breaking down a little bit better. But men, man, we need rugged and rough men. We do need that. We need tough men. But we also need men that are willing to, to have emotion. And not just emotion of anger, but motion of compassion and being willing to cry and be sensitive to those things. You know, Sean, one thing I'd, I'd have to admit, at least in my life, uh, I should have been a better listener. Mm. You know, a lot of times a woman, they don't want you to solve the problem. Right. They want you to listen. Right. And I wasn't a good listener. I was used to, okay, here's what we're gonna do. Here's how we solve the problem. Right. And even with your children, I should have been a better listener. I know I can remember some days I'd get home after 12 hours and I'm tired. Right. And not only dealing that, I had to deal with the diabetes all day long too. So I'm just worn out. And one of the kids would come up, dad, dad, I've been waiting. I, I need to talk to you about this. You know, can we do this or this? And I would just say, no, that's it. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Instead of saying Kelly or Todd or Kim, dad's really tired now. Yeah. I'm going to be home early tomorrow night. Right. Can we talk about it then? Sean, I wasn't a good listener, and I really regret that. So maybe for you younger men, listen to your wife. 
listen to your children, yeah. and then make your decision. Because I made some bad decisions because I didn't right. listen. Right. And so let's talk about that dynamic of walking your kids through the loss when, because I think a lot of times the kids can get forgotten, forgotten, forgotten in the loss. <laughs> yeah. I better make sure I don't get corrected on my English. But um, I think that kids can be forgotten because we're trying so hard as a man and a woman, a husband and a wife to battle through the grief that we've experienced, the loss that we've experienced that the reality is we have individuals in your case, a sister who had lost a sister and a brother who had lost a sister. And so they're trying to work through this loss. Plus they're seeing mom and dad grieving through that. And just talk to me a little bit about whether it was lessons you learned and what you wish you would have done or, or steps you took that were right. How does a guy that's listening to us today that has been through it, is going through it, or maybe someday will go through it. How do you help children grieve when you're trying to just survive? It's hard. It really is hard. Uh, I've seen uh, the death of my daughter profoundly impact my son and my daughter, Kim, profoundly. And I really, Sean, didn't know because they were adults at the time. They weren't living at home. Right, right. They were grown up. So I, I, I didn't see him on a daily basis. I didn't talk to him on a daily basis. Uh, maybe it would be easier if, if they were littler and, and they were home all the time. Yeah. But uh, you're dealing with your own grief. And I didn't, rem I don't remember, Sean, you know, just sharing with them what I was going through. Right. I don't think I ever did because I was their dad. I can't, I can't show them that weakness and my emotions that I was experiencing. I figure that's not good for them. Right. So I didn't. And I should have, Sean. Definitely, 100%. Yeah. I should have. It would have been good for them to see, hey, my dad can cry. Yeah. My dad gets angry. Especially my for your son. Because for, for a son to see his dad go through those things and to have that vulnerability is really helpful because I've learned that even, you know, my dad and I've had those talks of, of if I would have seen this, I would have known that I was okay having those same thoughts. Or, uh, I mean, I remember when I said to my dad, I thought you were perfect. And I, I was like, how do I ever live up to that? But then when he started finally, and this wasn't until I'd just gone to Troy. So 15 years ago. Uh, so I'm, 40 years old at that time. And yeah. he's all of a sudden opening up to struggles that he and my mom had. And I'm like, okay, I never heard of that. It would have changed some way I dealt with things or thoughts I had about myself. And so men, there's a challenge that we help our, our sons through knowing that they're okay, that they're normal with having some thoughts with that. And that's a challenge that, that we have. Yeah. Well, what, what Todd and, and Kim lost in Kelly was not only their sister, but a friend. Yeah. A friend they could confide in, a friend they could talk to, a friend who's not going to judge them like maybe their father would. Um, so they lost that. They lost something huge. Yeah. Um, I wish I would have handled it better, Sean. I mean, I really do. Um, but I didn't. I didn't handle it well at all. I was crushed, yeah. and so was Patty. And I'm sure Todd and Kim were, and many people in the family. It's just such an unnatural thing to happen. You know, like we had mentioned, a parent's not supposed to bury their child. The child's supposed to bury the parent. That's the normal thing in life. Right. Yeah. So I wish I could give some profound wisdom to your, your viewers out there, but... So, I, I did not handle it well. So I would say it's like a storm. And, and it's like that storm that you have when when you have this storm and you, the waves are big. You're, you're in the water and you're just trying to survive and not drown yourself. Meanwhile, you've got your wife and your kids and they're in the same storm. And when they're not living in your home... They're so far off in the water that you can't even see exactly what they're dealing with. 
And so all you know is the here and now, here's my wife and here's me and here's what we're dealing with and we're trying to survive. And it's so easy to just forget. And it's not a selfishness. It's just <laughs> you're so overwhelmed by the storm that you forget about what's going on over here. And, and I think that happens with people around us even. We're in the storm and they don't even, they're on the sunny beach. And they don't even realize, man, we're out here fighting for our lives because they're on a sunny beach. And and it, it's a call for us to be more sensitive men to other men and what they're going through. Because we need to be looking for guys that are drowning in a storm. And what can we do to reach out? When you go through that storm, you realize the need for it. Unfortunately, it doesn't always mean we step up and do it still. Because in our life, guys, it's so easy to be self-absorbed and about ourselves and about surviving. And we forget about the fact that God has placed us in people's lives for a purpose, whether that's your church body, whether that's your neighborhood, whether that's your work associates. God has placed you there to be able to be used in it. And with the loss of a child, again, I think... If it's not the number one traumatic thing that an individual goes through, you know, it's, it's in the top two, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I, <clears throat> I've used this analogy. Uh, there are people that go to war and lose a limb or in a, in an accident, maybe have to have a limb taken off mm -hmm. and every day for the rest of that person's life, they know they are missing part of their body. And that's the way it is losing a child. You get over it, you get through it, but every day you realize something is missing. And you're not getting it back in this life, Sean. Right. So it, your life changes dramatically. Uh, some people, it changes for the better. I, I think for Patty and me, eventually down the road, it changed us for the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it made our faith stronger, uh, our hope, for eternal uh, home in heaven. We long for that. Uh, but you have to. You have to go through the storm. Right, yeah. yeah. There's no if, and or, if, ands, or buts. Yeah, and so I want to I share something because for Kelly, she was the youngest child. And so the other two were out of the home. Uh, maybe you're in a situation where you lose a child and you've got every all the kids at home still. And... Uh, what I want to do is, is say this, um, never get into that unhealthiness of comparing one child to another. Um, don't expect another child to fill the void that one left that you've lost. Uh, that's a very slippery slope that a parent can go down, especially if your kids are younger. Um, but set reasonable limits on their behavior. They don't get to just act out um, but also don't be overly protective because when you lose a child, a young child, you can become overly protective. And part of that is knowing God's perfect timing. Um, but it's normal to feel protective, but don't get overly protective in that. And what I would say is this, men, if you or your spouse are unable to care for your kids that have experienced that same loss, uh, engage other people to come alongside you to maybe take your kids out and do stuff with them so that you can have that opportunity to grieve. Um, but uh, what we need to understand is that siblings need to grieve in the same way that parents need to grieve. And, and so when we talk about this, I want to talk about how to deal with loss. I, I want to, I want us to deal with how, how to deal with loss. And I'm just going to say this before we start to talk about these areas. Some of this may seem insensitive to those who have lost a child. And so I apologize, but I don't apologize because I think there's some things that we need to be aware of, but sometimes truth is both difficult to hear and even more difficult to apply. But what I know is Satan can use the loss of a child to gain a foothold in a believer's life. He can use it to tear apart a marriage. So guys, we talk about battle all the time, Uncle John. That's why I've got a gladiator right back here behind us on the, on the shelves. Because 
we are fighting a battle against spiritual things, principalities, things that we don't even understand. And I always laugh when we sing the song Silent Night because it's like, oh, Silent Night. Are you serious? There was spiritual junk going on that night because there's no way Satan wanted baby Jesus being born into Bethlehem. And all of a sudden he comes to save the people and Satan's like, I don't want that to happen. Fortunately, God wins. But that was not a silent night. There was battle going on. Satan can use the loss of a child to get into our lives and to just disrupt everything. So I want to share some things. I've got four things. And I want this to be a challenge for you if you're going through this. Or perhaps you can take this and use it to help other people. And so if you're looking at loss, if you're trying to deal with loss, the first thing is this. Do not let sorrow hold you captive. I'm not saying don't be sorrowful. I'm not saying don't mourn. But for some people, they allow sorrow to grab them around the neck and begin to choke them out. The sorrow of losing a child can paralyze you. I've seen it done in people's lives. It can paralyze them to where they are just non-existent in life. Sorrow serves as the shackles that keep us bond to our law, bound to our loss. What I know is this, there is a time to mourn, there is a time to grieve, but then there is a time that we have got to move forward. It does not mean we forget. Please understand that. It does not mean that we forget. You won't forget. I think if you're trying to forget, you're wrong in doing that because you want to remember but we cannot allow sorrow to hold us back. The Bible says this, choose joy. I know it's hard. I know that for some, it may be easier for one, the husband or the wife to do that than the other. I, I don't know. But the Bible says choose joy. And here's why I believe God tells us to choose joy because he knows that's the healthy place for us. He knows that that is the best place, the healthiest place for us. And so we don't let sorrow hold us captive. Um, I don't know, Uncle John, in your life, how you felt that, but uh, sorrow gets grip on us. I can, <clears throat> I can give you an example of another couple in our church that lost a son when he was 10 years old, but it was cancer. And uh, I can remember a church praying for Brett for years that he'd be healed. Finally, little Brett died. Just the cutest little boy you ever want to see. They were never the same. Mm -hmm. 20 years later, Sean, his bedroom was exactly mm -hmm. the same way. Yeah. They didn't move a thing. They yeah. were in such sorrow that 20 years later, they hadn't moved on. And you have to move on. Yeah. The grieving process takes everybody different lengths of time. Different lengths, yeah. Different lengths. Uh, and uh, I think for me, maybe it was longer than Patty. Uh, but this couple and dear friends of ours, they just let it go on and on and on and on. And it affected their relationship and their other son great, yeah. greatly. Yeah. Yeah, they, could, they couldn't move on from it. And you have to, like you said, you just have to. Yeah, because again, it's the hold of the enemy that he gets in our lives. The second thing is this, recognize that God has a plan. Now, that's one part of it, but the second part is this, and submit to it. That's hard. That's hard to, it's one, it's difficult enough to accept that God has a plan for what you're going through, but remember, God is sovereign and his ways are perfect. Those are our truths that we can't argue. God is sovereign and his ways are perfect. That doesn't mean that I'm always going to understand his ways. Uh, I mean, like we said, his ways are not always our ways. And so it, it begins to cause stress. You simply need to acknowledge though, that this is God's plan and you submit to it. Failure to acknowledge God's perfect plan keeps us often chained to the grief. It keeps us chained to the grief. So 
you know, we've been talking back and forth about what God's plan is in this. I would have to believe that you're still to that place where you don't fully get God's plan because every day is another day where he continues to reveal stuff to you as he does to all of us. And you can see points along the timeline where God has used it, I'm sure. But who knows what else still God has because even down here where we are now, there are people that go through the loss of a child. And I know my mom and dad have shared multiple stories of people who have been there, even with older kids. And it really, I don't know how much it really matters how old they are. It's still your child and you still feel that they shouldn't die before you do. You know, Sean, I, <clears throat> I totally agree with what you just last said. My grandmother was 95 years old. My Aunt Betty, her daughter, died. Mm -hmm. And they never told my grandmother that Betty died mm -hmm. because they didn't want her to be horribly affected. Yeah, And she'd always keep asking, where's Betty? Where's Betty? Why is she not come to see me? Right. And they never really told her the truth. And I don't agree with that. Right. But you're right. It doesn't matter how old the child is no. or how old the person is. When you lose a child, the grief is overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's hard. It's, it's very difficult. And you're just thankful that most couples don't ever have to experience it. Right. Yeah. Very few people do. When you look at how many people have children. Yeah. Right. And so we have the not letting sorrow hold us captive, uh, recognizing that God has a plan and then submitting to it, understanding that. And the next thing is this, um, resist idolatry in your grief. And I know you think, well, what is idolatry in your grief? There are those who grie whose grief communicates that they have placed the child above God's will. And we know that God is a jealous God. He tells us that. But excessive grief leads one to placing their child above God's plan because what it does is God has this for you and you're so caught up in your grief that you are unable to move forward in God's plan. And guys, what happens is this idolatry is when we place anything over God, anything. And it seems weird and maybe even offensive to say that, but when you are not willing to move beyond that, you then place that loss of a child above anything God has for you. And uh, we have to understand that that gets in the way of following God. So it's important to thank God for whatever time he's given us in, in this. And so that then leads us to the final thing is we need to draw close to God in our grief. When we have loss, God is not this distant God that doesn't want to be there for us. He wants to be there for us. And he is, even if we don't get it. But when I think of even the parable of the lost son, you know, and, and the dad's waiting for him and he runs out to him and he hugs him totally contrary to their culture. And I believe this is that when we lose a child, guys, God hurts for us. I believe that he hurts for us because he gets us. I mean, the Bible says he knows what we need before we even tell him it. So he knows our hurt. He knows our pain. And whatever reason you think he cried at Lazarus's grave, he felt that grief, that loss of somebody that was very close to him. And so what we have to understand is that God loves you. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. And what we have to do is we have to draw closer to God and drawing closer to him can keep us from pulling away from our spouse, from pulling away from our friends. When we draw close to him, a failure to draw closer to God puts us at danger to draw away from everything else. Now that's my own conclusion. Uncle John, you've been there before, but it just makes sense that I tell couples when they get married, I'm like, marriage is a triangle. And the closer you get to God, the closer you can draw to each other because that triangle gets smaller. I think it's the same way that when we lose a child, if we are pulling away from God, it impacts our relationships because it just has a ripple effect that goes through life. 
But when we draw closer to God, I think it can strengthen those relationships. And I don't know if you have thoughts on that that differ, but when I see that, that's what I think of. Well, <clears throat> I know the seven years where I didn't pray. Right. I was not close to God at all, Sean. Uh, did I lose my belief in God? No, I didn't lose that. Right. Did I think his Bible, the Bible, the word of God was not true? No, I, I believe that. But you do think, Lord, do you love me? Mm -hmm. Do you love me, Lord? Look at what we're going through. I'm really hurting. My wife is hurting. My family is hurting. How could you love me and let that happen? And, and those are thoughts that just go through your mind, Sean. And you have to work through them. You really do. And uh, like I said, the, the concept of the sovereignty of God yeah. is what helped bring me around. He has a plan. It's not our plan. And I certainly wouldn't plan for anybody to lose a child or lose a limb or lose anything. Right. You know, but it happens. I, I think it was R.C. Sproul said, uh, if God's not sovereign overall, He's not sovereign at all. Right, yeah. Yeah. That's a good and, way to put it. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's hard. That's hard to understand that all this bad stuff that goes on in the world, it's part of God's plan. So we just have to accept it by faith. That's where faith comes in. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to accept many, many things that are going on in this world. Right. Especially <laughs> when we see more and more what's happening. Right, yeah. Yeah. But God has a plan. He's in control. And he's working to his end. Uh, with his means and we're just a little speck in that plan each one of us right and it's interesting because someday i'm going to do a, a podcast on this because i know it's a view that will probably get me heat on it but even when we look at abortion i mean man we agree abortion is not a good thing it is, it is murder it, it is it is not god does not approve of it but if i can put anything good to it is that I know based on David and Bathsheba that that child whose life was taken from them on this earth spends eternity with God. And that's not a justification. That's a, I'm grateful that God takes our screw ups and he can make something beautiful out of something so horrible and so tragic. And I think with the same thing with this is that when we go through these struggles, when we go through this loss, God is able to do things that are so beautiful and beyond us, even when we struggle. And, and that's why, man, I want you to understand, be real with your struggle. Don't hide it. Because what you're going to do is it's going to help you work through it quicker. And it's going to help you impact other men's lives. Because what I know is this, the loss of a child is painful. And it leaves a void in your life that there's only one thing that can fill that void, and it's Jesus Christ. If you are experiencing that void because of a loss of a child, there are people that try alcohol, there are people that try all kinds of things, drugs, and that's not gonna answer. The pain still is there once the drugs and the alcohol wear off. Those who tell you, though, that you'll get over it, it's always there. It's a challenge. Uh, you always have that. You always remember it. It's always there with you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 1, which is one of my favorite passages that I've used quite often, it says that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our time of need. Now, you could push a, a, a period there and end it there, but God doesn't end it there. He says that God is the God of all comfort. Paul says this. God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in our time of need. But he says, so that you can then be God's comfort to other people. So God takes our pain. God takes our suffering. He comforts us, whether that's over a month or years. God comforts us so that we can then comfort other people for him. We can be his comfort. And so what I have found in my own life is that God has brought healing for me for my wife through different afflictions. And along the way, he showed me by using me in the lives of other people. So God brings purpose to our pain. The best thing I relate it to, which is pretty weak, is when you work out, you tear muscle, right? <laughs> to get strong. 
You get old, you can tear a muscle just walking. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but but you tear muscle to build it up and get it strong. And I've always thought that kind of ironic as a guy that really doesn't do the weight room very much. I'll do some Nautilus stuff, but I'm not big into the weight room. But that pain is turned into good stuff. It has no connection as far as it cannot. It's magnified billions to lose a child. But that pain, God can take it and he can make something good out of it. All things work together for good. I, I don't understand that, but I know it to be true. But sometimes it just takes time. And so if you have ever lost a child or find yourself in a dark place, reach out to someone. Don't try to do it on your own. Uncle John, I'm so grateful for you being willing to come and be part of this. Uh, I'm thankful that you are willing to open up and, and share this with people because there will be people that benefit from this and it will help people uh, in that. So thank you very much. Well, Sean, <clears throat> thank you for asking me to come. Uh, it's not an easy topic to talk about. It's harder to experience it. Yeah. Uh, talking is the easy part, I guess. <laughs> Going through it uh, is the hard part. Patty and I, because of our faith, we were able to get through it. The Lord helped us through it. And uh, I would say we have led a blessed life. We have. I mean, you live in this country, Sean. How can you not think you're blessed? Right, right. The opportunities that everybody has. And right as you and I are talking, there's a Christian being murdered somewhere for his faith. Yeah. We don't suffer that here. So to complain about... and begrudge and, and be angry about losing a child. Yeah, you have to get over that and thank God for having that child for 22 years. Yep. Yep. What a blessing she was to us and yep. other people. And only eternity will know that. Yeah. yeah. So we need to be thankful instead of being angry and be thankful instead of being bitter. Yeah. Because uh, we're going to heaven someday. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And someday we'll see that child <laughs> So if, listen, men, God never intended for you to navigate this storm on your own. If your marriage is pulling apart because of the loss of a child, uh, get help. Bring men around you that will speak the truth and love to you. Do not allow the enemy to get a foothold in your life. Take time to listen with, to this episode and the previous episode, even with your spouse, um, if you find that you're struggling with this and take advantage of this opportunity, but I hope that you have found these past two episodes, the previous one and this one, uh, useful and helpful in your life. If you have gone through this and perhaps God will use this, man, we would never wish this on anybody to go through it. But if that should ever happen, I hope this becomes a resource that you can turn back to. But we are definitely not skipping stones. We are throwing boulders because we want men. If God has a, or if, if this enemy has a foothold in their life to break free of that. So guys, if you have enjoyed this, if you have found benefit of this, make sure to follow, to subscribe, to like, get the word out there to your friends. Uh, please share this because uh, we are trying to help men become the leaders in their home, the leaders in their churches that God has called them to be. And if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, we would love to be able to talk to you. Reach out. Get on our website, www.timetomanup.com. Shoot us an email. We would love to be able to correspond with you, but we need to get the word out to families. And just uh, again... This has been a tough topic. We're grateful for it. And uh, even though the experiences are difficult, we know that God has a plan in his sovereignty. He has a perfect plan. And what we are called to do is to be obedient and to follow. And if we do that, if we keep our eyes on him, he'll pick us up, he'll get us through it, and he'll show us that purpose. Guys, have a great day, and remember this. It's time to stop skipping stones across the water. 
and it's time to start throwing boulders that go deep below the surface. Men, it's time to man up. <laughs> <laughs>